Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.07 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 7th of December, 2021. I do believe this is Pearl Harbor Day, but this is episode 513 of Bitcoin and... The people who wanted the vaccine, they already got it. The people who don't want the vaccine, we're still not going to get it. Nothing is going to change. I'm not waiting for permission from Dr. Fauci or Joe Biden or the WHO. You don't rule over me. I'm not your subject. I'm a free citizen in a free country, and you do not get to tell me what to do. In this country, we the people hold the power, and the government does not have the authority to mandate that I do anything, and nor does any employer. So you can mandate stuff all day long. We don't care we'll shut the whole thing down you want to keep the economy running you better not mandate vaccines you want to keep your private business open you better not mandate vaccines have fun running a business with 50 percent of your staff because people are standing up they're sick and tired of being told what to do by people who don't have the authority to tell them what to do we're taking our country back it doesn't matter whatever mandate you put out we're going to ignore it you can take your mandates your vaccines your masks your passports and you can shove them all up your collective buttholes because we don't care this kid wow just said it all just basically laid it out everything that's on you know the the minds of people that you know haven't been crushed and and begging to be governed harder yeah he said everything that we're thinking the amount of pushback that i've gotten on this uh on the tweet that i released that has this tiktok video in it is quite extraordinary honestly um, there is, I just so, I don't know why I should be shocked, but I am. I'm shocked that there are this many people who think this kid is an idiot because vaccines are good and you should take your vaccine. You should be governed harder. You should do everything they tell you to do. You shouldn't question. You shouldn't actually, you know, I don't know, read the fucking label that says, Hey, this chick could cause some, you know, heart inflammation. It says it right on the label, you know, it's clear that it is causing heart inflammation. There's a lot of shit that's just plain clear. And I've never seen the machine in all my decades on this planet. I've never seen the machine work this hard to erase fact and put bullshit in your head. And I've also never seen it this effective. Remember, remember the SARS outbreak in Canada a few years back? By the way, if you didn't know, the, the, the Rona is, is SARS. It, it's SARS. They tried to do this shit before, and it was not effective. I, this, the, the rampant fear basically fell on deaf ears, and it just went away. And... About the time that it started going away may have coincided with the South Park episode that made fun of the whole damn thing as they are wont to do, right? But it was completely ineffective. They tried to do this shit to, to us years ago and it didn't work. This time it's worked and worked very, very well. And I still can't figure out what the difference between the two was. Was the machine just not running at full capacity back then when SARS came out? You know, were we a different kind of people back then? I don't know. But something is different because this time the SARS virus did exactly what they wanted it to do. It did exactly what they wanted it to do. It caused fear and loathing and self-doubt and has turned an entire group of nations that used to have some fairly serious spine and backbone into a bunch of sniveling, crying, 
frightened little children. And it's pathetic. It's just pathetic. So I'm not saying that if you got your vaccine that you suck. I'm not saying that at all. If you want to get the vaccine, I am never going to tell you not to. And I'm not going to make fun of you if you do, because that's what you wanted to do. If, however, you were one of those people that didn't want to get the vaccine, but got scared into it, yeah, I'm going to make fun of you. If you are one of those people that never wanted to get the vaccine and you were forced, like they held your ass down and stuck a a needle in your arm and gave you this shit, I feel for you. I feel for you. I I don't know if that's occurred, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if that is not happening in mass in places. And it is not going to surprise me when it does start actually happening and people start cheering about it because Austria very well may be the very first country that mandates that shit. And they will f- hold you down and they will stick your arm with whatever the hell it is that they want to stick you with. And until the people decide to rise the fuck up, go and find a spine. Maybe it's in the back closet where you left it one, you know, a, a while back. You know, then this shit is just going to get worse and worse and worse because these people will just go, well, shit, we can just do whatever we want. If you're going to let them do that, all is lost. And your children, if you have any, have no future. You have no future. You've got to stop this ridiculous bullshit. Be the American that I know you can be. Be the Mexican I know that you can be. Be the Austrian, the Norwegian, the guy from Denmark, the Icelander, the Greenlander, shit. Somebody fucking stand up and say no. It's got to be more than one person, though. It's got to be more than one person. But we have other fish to fry. Let's do this one first. We're going to do the BitWage Processes World's First Bitcoin Payroll on Lightning. They did it. They Damn it, they did it. This is Namsios writing for Bitcoin Magazine. Bitwage has processed the world's first Lightning payroll. The company processed a salary payment entirely on the Lightning Network, Bitcoin's layer two scaling solution for fast and cheap Bitcoin payments. Quote, Bitcoin's Lightning Network promises the ability to enable global instant payments for almost no fees, Bitwage said in a statement sent to Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, our vision for Lightning Payroll is one where any user can add the wallet of their choice, get paid their salary, and immediately spend it through any merchant connected to the main network, end quote. The firm processed two salaries as Lightning Payouts. The first went to the CEO of Pan-African Bitcoin native fintech company Bitnob, Bernard Perra, and the second to USL professional soccer player Alex Crognail. Quote, the concept of lightning payroll means I can get paid by the hour or even by the minute, Para said in a statement. Time means money and this is it, end quote. <clears throat> Bitwage partnered with Async, a French startup dedicated to building Bitcoin native products and services to help Para secure enough inbound liquidity. Async leveraged its large lightning node to ensure the transaction was correctly processed. Quote, as the network matures, and its capacity increases, it becomes suitable for larger and larger transaction amounts as Bitwage is demonstrated by paying a salary over Lightning, Async CEO Pierre-Marie Perdue said in a statement. The second payroll payment turned Cog- sorry, Crognail into the first professional athlete to get paid entirely over Lightning. The defender of the United Soccer League's Birmingham Legion used the wallet of Satoshi, a custodial lightning wallet, to receive his payout. Quote, being paid in Bitcoin brings the benefits of sound money to everybody in the world, and we're looking forward to many more people using this fast, convenient, and low-cost method of payroll, said Daniel Alexic, CEO of Wallet of Satoshi, and I'm sure that I mispronounced his name, and I'm sorry, Daniel. <clears throat> While Async and Wallet of Satoshi helped the receivers in the payroll transaction. Bitwage was aided by voltage on the sending side. The Lightning node provider facilitated the process with a dedicated node for the salary payments. Quote, all boats rise in this situation, Graham Kizik 
CEO of Voltage said in a statement, Bitwage clients get a strong lightning experience and Bitwage can rapidly scale their offering. Bitwage is a leading provider of Bitcoin payroll services headquartered in San Francisco, California. In addition to the U.S., the company has operations in Europe, Latin America, and Asia. Bitwage offers services to employees, employers, and freelance workers worldwide. So, okay. Now, here's the deal. If you can really get paid your entire salary over the Lightning Network into a wallet and use that wallet to buy goods and services anywhere, okay, that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're looking for. Whether or not a merchant converts <clears throat> that Bitcoin automatically back into dirty, nasty fiat is not my concern right now. My concern right now is being able to interface with every vendor of all goods and services across the globe, whether face-to-face -face or over the internet. That's, that's my goal. I want, I want the interface first, right? I will worry about whether or not they're converting, you know, my Satoshis into shitty fiat. I'll, I, I can worry about that shit later. Uh, okay, I got I got some time to worry about that one. Uh, I what concerns me more is the is being able to interface, and this is we are well on the way to being able to interface with goods and services from vendors around the world if all this continues to develop. And who is also helping to develop this? Well, it's gonna be Jack. Jack Dorsey's Spiral announces the Lightning Development Kit. Namcios has it for Bitcoin Magazine. Spiral, a Square subsidiary focused on Bitcoin development, has formally presented its Lightning Development Kit in a short film published on Monday. Quote, the Lightning Development Kit is a way to easily integrate instant Bitcoin payments into any applications, said Connor Okus, project manager at Spiral in the film. Spiral said it had been working on LDK for the past couple of years. The project is a flexible lightning implementation geared towards developers who want to integrate Bitcoin's lightning network into their applications frictionlessly. The library is available in the Rust and Swift programming languages. Quote, when our team formed, we went out and interviewed dozens of wallet projects and developers. Steve Lee, lead at Spiral, said in the film, what we learned is that they were having a lot of problems adding Lightning Network capabilities. The LDK abstracts low-level Lightning logic away, removing barriers for implementing the Lightning Network and allowing developers to focus on their applications' inner workings. Programmers can then seamlessly leverage a flexible implementation of Bitcoin's Layer 2 protocol to plug into the scaling network. Once implemented, LDK enables instant Bitcoin payments on games, apps, and other Bitcoin applications. The project had already borne fruit before this announcement. In July, Blue Wallet announced a mobile implementation of the Lightning Network based on LDK. The RN-LDK leverages Spiral's implementation to bring an open-source, lightweight Lightning node to React Native, a popular framework for mobile apps. Blue Wallet's RNLDK enables users to open and fund a Lightning channel from their mobile devices directly from an air-gapped hardware wallet, among other features. See, this is the kind of shit that I'm talking about. This is going to marry up perfectly with the guys over at Bitwage and, and, and all the rest of the people, and we're just going to be able to get paid in Satoshis over Lightning and then go eat dinner and never touch a filthy fiat bill ever again. I cannot wait until this shit is fully fledged and fully developed and out there in the wild walking around. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a thing of beauty. However, we are now on to the Bitcoin bond. And yes, there is FUD. Oh my God, there's so much FUD. But this one is from Coindesk and it's written by Amkar Godbol. I rather like his writing, so we'll see if he uh, jumps on the FUD bandwagon. Blame the Bitcoin bond? El Salvador's dollar-denominated debt slides. El Salvador's dollar-denominated debt has taken a beating in recent weeks with observers blaming President Bukele's plan to issue Bitcoin bonds for the sell-off. But there's more to the decline than meets the eye. <clears throat> Quote, Salvador's bond spreads 
to comparable U.S. treasuries have widened and the Bitcoin bonds are a contributing factor, but certainly not the only one. Mark Ostwald, chief economist at London-based ADM Investment Investors Services International, said in an email, quote, There has been a sharp widening of spreads between the emerging market bond yields and treasury yields in the past two weeks and an uptick in yields on investment-grade and high-yielding bonds. Having adopted Bitcoin as a legal tender in September, Bukele on November the 20th announced plans to build a Bitcoin city funded by the sale of $1 billion bond carrying an annual coupon of 6.5%. Half of the funds of this so-called volcano bond will be used to accumulate Bitcoin and the rest will be used for infrastructure and Bitcoin mining powered by geothermal energy. Since the announcement, El Salvador's dollar bond maturing 2032 has slid from its high in May, sending the yield, which moves in the opposite direction to the price above 17% from 6.3%, according to data provided by Bourse Frankfurt. That's widened the spread above the 10-year U.S. Treasury note to more than 1,300 basis points from 480 back in May. The country's debt has begun trading in distressed territory, meaning it's a security in default or likely to default. To many observers, the widening of the spread over treasuries, which are regarded as haven investments, <coughs> yeah, haven, <laughs> perhaps represents investor concerns that El Salvador's increasing adoption of Bitcoin will distance the country from the $1.3 billion loan agreement with the International Monetary Fund. The highly indebted nation needs to reach the agreement with the IMF to access international markets ahead of major dollar bond payments due in 2023. That said, the decline in El Salvador's bonds also appear to be part of a macro trend as noted by Oswalt. The gap between emerging market bond yields and corresponding treasury yields has doubled to 350 basis points in the past two weeks, as indicated by JP Morgan's emergent, or rather JP Morgan's emerging market bond index global spread quote omicron china property developer evergrande and kaiser holdings default slash restructuring fears and concerns that faster fed taper and rate hikes would tip the u.s into recession are putting pressure on e and <clears throat> on em and high yielding bond prices oswald said demand for riskier assets has declined since thanksgiving day in the united states with a potentially more infectious covid19 variant sparking concerns of another wave of illness, oh my God, and renewed lockdowns, which could push major economies into stagflation, a situation characterized by low growth and high inflation. To complicate matters, the U.S. Federal Reserve recently said it will begin focusing more on restraining inflation and less on growth, forcing markets to price in the greater probability of a faster unwinding of crisis-era stimulus. Looking ahead, the pain for El Salvador's dollar-denominated debt could worsen with Bitcoin's latest price slide. The cryptocurrency fell sharply over the weekend, hitting lows under 43K and was last seen trading near 51,100, down 35% from the record high near $69,000 reached on November the 10th. Bitcoin's drop definitely adds some pressure, as does thin year-end markets, credit, equity, and commodities, Oswald said. Steve Hankey, <laughs> yeah, here we go. Steve Hankey, Mr. Hankey, a professor at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, voiced similar opinions on Twitter while drawing attention to widening El Salvador U.S. yield spreads. And his tweet says, El Salvador's dollar-denominated bonds have been on a death spiral since Bukele announced his plans to build a Bitcoin city. In the past two weeks, bonds expiring in 2025 have tanked nearly 500 basis points. Things will only get worse with Bitcoin down 20% in the past month. I mean, did you expect anything else from Steve Hankey? Come on, guys. The attractiveness of El Salvador's Bitcoin bonds, the ability to raise money, is tied to the cryptocurrency's price prospects. That's because by using half of the bond sale proceeds to purchase Bitcoin, the government will be giving investors a share of the cryptocurrency's possible price rally. According to Blockstream projections, the annualized yield could reach 146% in the 10th year, assuming the cryptocurrency rallies to $1 million over the next five years. So there you go. I mean, does it, is anybody looking at bonds of any other Latin American nation? of comparable size? No. You know why? Because they haven't they haven't made Bitcoin legal tender yet. But 
Mark my words, the second that they do, and even if they don't make it legal tender, like I said, I want one other Latin American country to come out and say, we're going to just, we're, you can use Bitcoin if you want. The government of our nation will accept Bitcoin for payments of any kind, including taxes, and you can use it as a private citizen and companies can use it and retailers can use it and corporations can use it. And we are not going to stand in your way and we're just going to let it roll. You're not going to be forced to use it, but if you want to use it, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. That's what I want to see. But the second that they do that, all of a sudden, Steve Hankey is going to come out of the woodwork and peel into their distressed bonds. He's not doing it right now. Just understand that. Steve Hankey ain't saying shit about any other bonds in Latin America. But the second that they turn to Bitcoin in any functional way, Steve Hankey will be right there digging into their bonds and their distressed bonds and telling us just how bad it is, right? Well, fuck you. And screw this guy too. President Biden targets crypto in new anti-corruption strategy. Scott Cipollina, oh, I'll bet he goes on a Bitcoin is Bitcoin mining is bad for the environment rant. Let's find out. Uh, this is from Decrypt, by the way. <clears throat> the Biden administration has published the United States strategy on countering corruption. Look at yourself first, Bill. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. A first-of-its-kind document that lays out the government's anti-corruption policy. Oh, for God's sakes, you really expect us to believe that you're going after corruption. You're all corrupt. Are you going to put yourself in jail? Are you going to fine yourselves? Because you are the very first fucking people that need to actually come under the foot of this bill if it gets passed. The document defines a government-wide approach to corruption under five pillars. Specifically, Pillar 3, which is about holding corrupt actors accountable, targets cryptocurrencies with a new Department of Justice task force. Oh, uh, there's always a task force. DOJ will utilize a newly established task force, the National Cryptocurrency Enforcement Team, <laughs> to focus specifically on complex investigations and prosecutions of criminal misuses of cryptocurrency, the document says. The task force will focus on crimes committed by virtual currency exchanges, mixing and tumbling services, and money laundering infrastructure actors. Oh boy, we're going after CoinJoin. Good luck with that. The document confirms what has been speculated on for much of 2021, that the Biden administration is serious enough about the crypto industry to construct a bespoke team to combat its risks. The Biden administration has long targeted the dark side of the crypto industry in the summer. The administration's crypto task force began to hit headlines following a virtual briefing with Congress in June. And at the time, Deputy National Security Advisor and Newbergit, whatever, said the administration was working to quell the use of cryptocurrencies in illicit financial activity. Part of the reason why the Biden administration has been so concerned about crypto has been the industry's involvement in some of the year's most high-profile ransomware attacks. Here it comes. Following the Colonial Pipeline and JBS ransomware attacks, the DOJ announced that it would elevate ransomware to a similar priority level as terrorism. Yep, that's it. Ransomware is now terrorism. So enter the Department of Homeland Security because it's not going to be just the DOJ on this. Now that they're going to elevate it to terrorism, Homeland Security is now in the mix. Thank you very much. It's not just about ransomware, though. Cryptocurrencies also hinder the efficacy of the United States sanctions regime by giving bad actors an economic lifeline. With over 9,000 sanctions in place against rogue states like North Korea and Iran, sanctions have become a cornerstone of American foreign policy. Quote, these technologies offer malign actors opportunities to hold and transfer funds outside the collar-based collar -based financial system. Uh, was it white-collar-based? I don't know. They also empower our adversaries seeking to build new financial and payment systems intended to diminish the dollar's global role, the Treasury Department said earlier this year. If the, okay, that's the end of, the, the, that's the end of Scott's little bit there. Um, yeah, Homeland Security is going to get involved in this. Scott didn't say it, but if it has something to do with terrorism and they actually call ransomware terrorist, 
Well, that's going to be Department of Homeland Security. It just is. So get ready for a bunch of buffoons to come in and start arm waving and hand waving or whatever they call it about Bitcoin. Here it comes, folks. We are we are like we're about to cross the Rubicon squarely to the side of and then they fight you. All right. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty ugly, but it's not going to be pretty. In either event, we have AOC on the heels of Sleepy Joe. She doesn't hold Bitcoin so that she can remain impartial on policy maker uh, making. It says, oh, and I'm sorry, I, I stumbled there because yet again for Decrypt, it's Scott Cipollina. Maybe he'll go into his Bitcoin mining is bad for the environment rant in this one. Congresswoman Alexandria Occasional Cortez, better known by the moniker AOC, has said she does not hold any Bitcoin or any other financial assets for that matter. What? You don't hold dollars? The fuck? (laughs) Whatever, man. Arguing that members of Congress should not hold or trade in financial products. Quote, because we have access to sensitive information and upcoming policy, I do not believe members of Congress should hold or trade individual stocks, and I choose not to hold any so I can remain impartial about policymaking, AOC said on Instagram. Quote, I also extend that to digital assets and currencies, especially because I sit on the Financial Services Committee. So the answer is no, because I want to do my job as ethically and impartially as I can, she added. This is not the first time that AOC has chimed in on crypto. In 2017, she was asked if she accepted Bitcoin as a political donation and said, not till Act Blue does. Act Blue is the payment processor of choice for political donations made to Democrats. AOC may have drawn a line against holding any cryptocurrency or stocks, but other members of Congress view the issue differently, including when it comes to crypto. Members of Congress have to disclose their financial holdings. Financial disclosures are available for the U.S. House, U.S. Senate, and U.S. Executive Branch. Those disclosures have been gathered on the bitcoinpoliticians.org website, which details which members of Congress hold cryptocurrency and in what amounts. Cynthia Lummis, for example, holds between 100,000 and one quarter million worth of Bitcoin. She has earned the title of Bitcoin Senator due to her Bitcoin friendly policies. She is also the only Wyoming delegate to object to Pennsylvania's electoral college votes during the 2020 presidential election. Among the other five congressional members that hold cryptocurrency investments, all are Republicans. Oh, they include Michael McCall from Texas, Barry Moore from Alabama, Patrick Toomey from Pennsylvania, Jefferson Vandrew from New Jersey, and Michael Waltz out of Florida. Notably, Patrick Toomey has been one of the loudest advocates for the crypto industry amid the community's opposition to the infrastructure bill. The bill, once passed, poured over a trillion dollars into American infrastructure initiatives, and we ain't seen shit out of none of it. Well, you know, AOC can do what she wants. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of over even thinking about why she's even in Congress. I mean, you want to talk about a plant. Holy shit. You're talking about a chick that was, you know, a waitress or a bartender or something like that. And all of a sudden was able to just wipe the floor with all of the opposition for that seat uh, in the Senate. And it's not, it's not because she learned any great truths about polit, you know, politics and the way, you, the way that they work or the way that you're, you're, you're supposed to ga- play the game by being a bartender. I'm sorry. That was, she was picked. She, she didn't run. She was picked. She, if she had said, no, she doesn't want to run, two things would have happened. They would have just found somebody else or they would have just said, no, you're, you're going to run. That's, that's the way it's going to be. Whatever. Let's run to Bitcoin card. Embly joins Visa's fast track program. Namsios writes it for Bitcoin magazine. Embly USA, the American arm of European fintech company Embly, has joined Visa's fintech fast track program. Embly's refillable debit card, which can be topped up with Bitcoin and used to pay for goods and services worldwide, will launch in the U.S. next year. Quote, by joining Visa's fast track program, exciting fintechs like Embly USA gain unprecedented access to Visa experts, technology, and resources. Fast track lets us provide 
new resources that rapidly growing companies need to scale with efficiency, said Terry Angelos, SVP and global head of fintech at Visa in a statement sent to Bitcoin Magazine. The move will grant the firm's access to Visa's payment network and enable faster onboarding times, expediting the scaling of its business model. Quote, this card is currently available to almost every country except the United States. We have a Euro Embly card that serves almost every part of the world and a couple more entities we are building out to provide this service for as many countries as possible. Embly USA Incorporated expects to have a product fully launched in the first quarter of the coming new year. Embly will be available to U.S. customers as a physical or digital prepaid card that can be loaded with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. The funds are then liquidated using a third-party exchange, after which they are ready to be sent anywhere Visa is accepted, online and offline. Users can also withdraw cash from any ATM with their debit card. Sesnek declined to comment on which third-party exchanges his company uses, saying it comes down to the one that has the most liquidity. It's probably going to be Bitfinex. Quote, I don't want to breach any security protocols by answering in detail the money flow and who we use, but it is one or more exchanges that have a neutral or positive reputation in the space, Sesnik said. We will be happy to announce once things are finalized. Sesnik said he joined Embly after connecting with founder Alexander Baichkov as a customer. He got on board as the co company's partner in the U.S., ultimately leading Embley's expansion to the country as the CEO of Embley USA. So this is one of those things that's going to be used for that whole, hey, I got my, my paycheck over the Lightning Network, and it's going to somehow or another at one point be connected to a card like this, and I'm just going to walk in to, I don't know, Macy's and get my wife a dress or something like that, and I'm not going to be touching fiat. Now, when that happens, as was said in the piece, that Bitcoin is going to be liquidated. This is going to put another level of depth into the price and uh, to the price of Bitcoin, why it rises, why it falls, its volatility, all of that. We have a new actor upon the stage. This one is the ability for the holder of Bitcoin to purchase anything that they want anywhere Visa is accepted and not actually liquidate their Bitcoin, but that Bitcoin will be liquidated on the open markets until at such time that companies like this figure out why the hell are we even liquidating the money? And that's going to only, only be questioned when the vendors themselves say, why the hell am I accepting cash? Why am I accepting the United States dollar? I don't need it. I kind of don't want it. It's a shitty money. Maybe I'll just take Bitcoin instead. Let's run the numbers. Woo! Welcome to Welcome to Flammable Liquids being all on fire today. West Texas Intermediate is up almost four and a half percentage points to $72.56. What the hell is going on, people? Brent North Sea is up 3.83% to 75.88. Natural gas is also on the climb, almost a full four points to $3.79 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline has put on another 10 cents, $2.10 after a 3.18% rise. Shiny metal rocks also having their way. 0.2% to the upside for gold, but still under 1800 at 1783. Silver up uh, three quarters of a point at $22.40. Platinum up 1.7%. Copper is up a quarter of a percent. And palladium is up just over a half percent. Agricultural futures are mixed. Sugar being the biggest winner today, point or not point one. It's 1.1.41% to the upside. Your biggest loser today is going to be rough rice at 0.86 to the downside. We have the Dow futures up 1.6%. S&P futures up 2.15%. NASDAQ on fire, 2.77% to the upside. S&P mini up 243 to the upside. 
wow, so what the hell happened? Did, did the Omicron variant go away or something? I don't know. Fuck it. Let's talk about real money at $51,703. 300,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is 12,347 transactions on average every hour with 1.37 million Bitcoin being uh, the changing hands over the last 24 hours. That's 57,000 BTC being sent every hour on the hour and 4.63, oh my God, what's wrong with me? 4.63 BTC is the average transaction value. The median transaction value is 0.014 BTC or $746.42 as the median transaction. And I'm, I'm stumbling because I'm looking at block times, which are way low, eight minutes and 47 seconds. Oh my God, I can't wait to see the number of hash rate. We'll save it though. 0.074 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 12.22 BTC taken overall in the last 24 hours in fees. And hash rate, boom, looks like a new all-time high. After a 2.69% rise in the hash rate, we are up to 183.9 exahashes per second. Is that, is that uh, an all-time high? I'm going to look. I'm sorry, I got to look. No, it is not an all-time high. The all-time high appears to have been uh, 197.6 exahashes per second. That was hit on, let's see, May the 13th, 2021. So we're at, uh, what was it, 186? Yeah, no, 183.56 now is what I'm showing. We're, getting, we're, we're going to eclipse the hash rate post-Bitcoin being banned in China. And when that day occurs, that's going to be a damn good day. Now, there are 4,600 transactions waiting on three blocks to clear. We are oh, we're still under a trillion. $979.1 billion of market cap is 8.39% of gold's entire market cap. You can get 29.1 ounces of shiny metal rocks if you want with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,894,035.25 in circulation. 3,276 of those are locked up in Lightning Network with a capacity value of $169.9 million being run over 18,506 nodes. No, 18,516 nodes with 81,411 payment channels. 75.0%. That is 75% of all of that is being run over Tor. And that's being handled by 11,303 nodes that we know about and handling 2,457.9 BTC. That's going to do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. William Suberg starts us off with this one from Cointelegraph. Third biggest Bitcoin whales holdings total $6 billion after a whopping 2.7 thousand BTC buy-in. Man, that is a, that's a lot. That is a lot. Uh, Bitcoin returning to $50,000 overnight inspired one of the largest wallets to buy the equivalent of $137 million more. Blockchain data from on-chain monitoring resource BitInfo charts highlights how one entity bought the dip like no other. After buying frequently since the BTC USD hit 69,000 as an all-time high last month, the wallet holder upped the ante overnight with one single purchase of 2,700 BTC, taking their total to 118,017 Bitcoin. The buy dwarfs previous recent transactions, and as popular Twitter account Venture Founder noted, takes the holder's balance to whopping record levels. <clears throat> Quote, this is officially the highest number of Bitcoin ever held in this wallet. In uh, The whale has put $2.5 billion to buy BTC with an average cost basis of $21,160 per coin, the account tweeted. The actions buck the overall trend, which has seen whales deposit BTC to exchanges since Friday's crash. 
While there is no indisputable evidence that the wallet is a private investor, Venture Founder added that its activity is unlike a corporate entity, such as an exchange cold wallet or fund, citing, quote, many strategic buy the dip and sell the rally behaviors and clear long-term accumulation trends. As Cointelegraph reported, opinions remain mixed about whether the bottom is in for Bitcoin or that another price dip is due first. A strong bounce among major altcoins has further added to convictions held by some that a form of alt season could enter while BTC consolidates. And they talk about shitcoin number one doing some things and shitcoin number two doing some things. Quote, the best period to buy shitcoins is probably current weeks. Cointelegraph contributor Michael Vanderpop argued, adding that Bitcoin had probably bottomed out. Okay, well, if you want to get into shitcoinery, that is, that's, that's up to you. But whale song is not over. All right. This is from George Georgiev from Crypto Potato. Bitcoin whales bought almost $3.5 billion, that's 67,000 Bitcoin, during the crash to 42K. Ooh, this sounds like it might have been, well, I'm not going to put on my tinfoil hat. Whatever. <clears throat> Large Bitcoin holders seem to believe that this is far from being the end of the 2021 bull cycle data reveals that whales took the opportunity to buy a whopping $3.5 billion worth of Bitcoin while the cryptocurrency was plunging towards 42,000. As Crypto Potato reported on December the 5th, Bitcoin's price had dropped to 42,000 on Bitstamp, its lowest point since late September for a cumulative crash of more than $16,000 in one single day. That's a hell of a red dildo. Wobi, one of the leading cryptocurrency exchanges with a prominent focus on the Chinese market, experienced a flash crash where the BTC price dropped to $28,800 instantly. All of this resulted in billions of dollars worth of liquidated long positions, causing nothing but mayhem within the community. Bitcoin whales, though, seem to have played this price movement to perfection, according to data from Santiment. The firm, which specializes in on-chain and social metrics of more than 2,000 cryptocurrencies, revealed that, hold, that addresses holding between 100 and 10,000 BTC bought 67,000 Bitcoin beginning during the dump to 43.5K. That's worth around $3.44 billion at current prices. Meanwhile, earlier today, we reported that the third largest BTC whale also took advantage of the dip and bought more than 2,700 coins in a day at around 50K, which we just heard about. But that whale was not the only one swimming in the pod, right? It looks like a whole bunch of people were taking other people's Bitcoin away from them. Don't let that be you. Hold your Bitcoin. Don't keep it on an exchange. Don't play the market. Don't try to time shit. Stop putting in longs and shorts and puts and sells and all that crap. Stop it. Just stop. You don't need to be doing that. Just hold the damn Bitcoin. Moving from the whale pod, we're going to go over to Columbia. And Columbia's biggest bank is going to offer Bitcoin trading. Bitcoin magazines, uh, Nomsios as usual, is writing this one. Cryptocurrency exchange Gemini will soon offer frictionless Bitcoin trading in Colombia for customers of the country's largest bank, Bank Colombia. The company said in a statement Monday. However, it is unclear whether users will be able to withdraw funds, a vital feature for achieving the financial sovereignty that Bitcoin enables. The partnership is part of a government-sponsored pilot program. It will launch on December the 14th, giving an initial cohort of Bank Columbia customers a seamless on and off ramp to trade BTC through the exchange. The partnership uh, also serves as an important step towards the strategic expansion of Gemini's presence in Latin America. Cynthia Del Pozo Garcia, Gemini's principal of strategy and corporate development said in a statement, we look forward to working closely with the Colombian crypto ecosystem and to supporting crypto products that empower Colombians to take control of their financial lives. The Colombia government launched a one-year pilot program through the country's financial regulator, Superintendencia Financiera de Colombia, to bring Bitcoin and cryptocurrency services to citizens in a more straightforward fashion. 
Quote, crypto is borderless by nature, and we are committed to expanding crypto access to individuals across the globe, Del Pozo Garcia added. Bank Colombia is part of the Bank Colombia Group, a holding company that also owns Bantismo, the largest bank in Panama and Central America. BAM, or B-A-M, BAM from Guatemala, and Banco Agricola, which serves customers in El Salvador. The group had 17.8 million customers as of December 31st, 2020, according to its numbers report. In January, SFC announced it had chosen nine cryptocurrency exchanges out of 14 applicants to participate in the pilot. In addition to Gemini, the list includes Binance and Mexican firm Bitso. Binance is set to partner with the third largest bank in Colombia, Devavavina, I just butchered that, I know, but let's move on. And payments digital app, Pawi, while Bitso will collaborate with Banco de Bogota. Dude, if you're not keeping your eye on Central America, or actually all of Latin America, if you're not keeping your eye on that ball, you are missing one of the greatest stories to play out that we've seen in the 20th and the 21st century. I mean, for... Oh, God, Latin America has been so freaking repressed for so long by, and it's become clear that they have been held this way through NGOs like the, uh, what, the World Bank, uh, the IMF, all these, you know, non-governmental organizations, which are at doing the bidding of central banks around the world. They have been doing this to Latin America on purpose for reasons I don't know. It's not like we can lift their natural resources because they keep nationalizing everything that we send down there. We haven't invaded the fucking place, so I don't know what we're doing, except that the effect of whatever it is that we are doing has been evident for 150 years, and it's just got worse, all right? Bitcoin is going to enable these people to actually live the way that human beings were meant to live, and that is live free. Now... Bitcoin ETF issuer 3IQ to offer wealthy clients a white glove investment uh, opportunity. Oh, for God's sakes. Stacy Elliott is writing this for Decrypt. What this means, why I'm kind of stumbling over the uh, headline here is that that translates into accredited investors. If you don't have a million dollars, you can forget about the following, but the rich are going to dive in. Let's see how deep they are going to dive. Digital Asset Manager 3IQ, Exchange and Custodian Gemini, which we just read about, and platform provider Bitria have teamed up to offer high net worth customers in the United States white glove crypto investment accounts. The separately managed accounts, or SMAs, carry a $100,000 minimum, They'll be managed by 3IQ advisors on behalf of clients. Gemini will custody the assets and Bitria provides the platform that allows clients and advisors to access the accounts. This marks the first time 3IQ, a Toronto-based investment manager with $3.3 billion in assets under management, to launch a product with its U.S. subsidiary 3IQ Digital Assets. The Canadian parent company, which launched in 2012, is responsible for the Bitcoin and Shitcoin One Spot ETFs, the Bitcoin Fund, and the Shitcoin Number One Fund. I'm not going to say the fucking name. I'm sick of it. Which debuted on the Toronto Stock Exchange in 2020. 3IQ plans to offer model portfolios with Bitcoin, Shitcoin One, and an index that tracks the top 10 shitcoins, including tokens that are native to DeFi, a subset of crypto assets that are used for non-custodial trading and lending. But the accounts won't support meme coins or assets that haven't yet been approved by Gemini, such as shitcoin number two. Quote, we as a platform, Bitria, offer a subset of the assets that are available on Gemini. Dan Ear, Bitria CEO and co-founder, told Decrypt, Quote, for example, like a Dogecoin or a shitcoin number four, you know, the meme type of coins. We're not really looking to build out support for those because they're not usually suitable in this segment anyway, end quote. 
Ultimately, it's a better fit for clients that assets go through a rigorous due diligence process before becoming available, said Chris Mata, president of 3IQ's U.S. subsidiary. Quote, Gemini has a very robust process and pipeline for adding assets. So as the space continues to mature and as additional assets get added, those will become available to our investors. Jesus. <laughs> oh. They're just going to add shit that's going to get rug pulled and whatever. Because clients will own the assets in their account, they'll be able to use tax loss harvesting. For example, Bitcoin is currently down 20% over the last 30 days. An advisor would sell that asset, replace it with similar investments, and offset future gains with the Bitcoin losses. That's a feature that isn't typically available to ETF or private fund investors, <clears throat> although it's not unheard of. VanX recently launched Bitcoin Futures ETF. The VanX Bitcoin Strategy ETF has been set up as a C-Corp to allow investors to carry their losses forward and reduce taxes paid on future gains. Quote, we've seen other asset managers in the crypto space either do one-off SMAs for folks or we've seen some smaller startups do SMAs, Matza said. But this is the first time a large crypto asset manager of the size and scale of 3IQ has launched a product like this. So there you go, man. We're, we're popping now, bro. We are. And a massive jump in numbers of Australians own crypto. According to a survey, Kira Wright is writing this one for Cointelegraph. The 2021 Independent Reserves Cryptocurrency Index survey of more than 2,000 people found that the percentage of Australians surveyed who own or have owned crypto has reached 28.8%, up from 18.4% in 2020. The results suggest that the growth in the sector is being driven by the positive experience of those who own crypto, with 89% of those surveys saying that they have made money or broke even, up from 780 or sorry, 78% in 2020. Independent Reserve CEO Adrian Preslovny told Cointelegraph that these results didn't come as a surprise to him due to an environment in which it has become very difficult to get returns on investments. He stated that cryptocurrencies have easily outperformed any other asset over the last 12 months. Further adding, quote, I think it's quite natural that more and more people get interested in an asset class that's clearly outperforming the rest of the market, end quote. In October, Cointelegraph reported that a Bitcoin BTC is the official best performing asset class of 2021. Prislozny said that he expects the trend to continue as crypto matures and becomes less volatile. He said that the biggest ally, ally of cryptocurrency is that the longer it's around, the more accepted it becomes. Quote, with time, I think you'll see volatility and the perceived risk of the investment recede. End quote. 28.6% of those surveyed by the IRCI who don't currently own crypto said they would invest if there were better consumer protections in place. Another 26.6% said they'd buy crypto if industry regulation was improved. Preslozny said that the sector still des desperately needs regulation to catch up and provide greater security for both investors and cryptocurrency businesses. Quote, I do think that once regulation comes on board, we'll see a whole new class of investors into this space. And I think that that's what we've seen in other jurisdictions, like over there in Singapore, end quote. Preslozny told Cointelegraph that he anticipates that older Aussies, you know, those over 65, will make up the next big wave of investors as these regulatory issues are addressed. Quote, they're looking for consumer protections from the government before they're willing to take the plunge and enter the cryptocurrency market, end quote. Unsurprisingly, the 24 to 34 year old age group was the most trusting of crypto with 27.6% saying they bought in to get rich while disbelievers in the system are most likely to be found in the over 65 age group. According to the IRCI, Bitcoin remains the most well-known and popular cryptocurrency with 89.1% of Australians surveyed saying they've heard of it and 21.1% actually owning Bitcoin. The second most popular crypto asset is Shitcoin One at 11% reported ownership up just from 5% in 2020. The IRCI is an annual cross-sectional survey of more than 2,000 Australians conducted by Pure Profile 
independent reserve says its sample was reflective of the country's gender, age, and geographic distribution. So there you go. Now, I was going to give you a short story or a, uh, a like find a shorter story about the Craig Wright debacle, but I think the story of what happened to me this morning more than sums up what's going on. Here's the facts. Craig Wright has been found guilty, okay, guilty, essentially, of doing a conversion of a business. He stole the business. He basically made it look like he owned a business and he didn't. And now he has to pay $100 million. That is a fact that cannot be disputed. That shit is written in the record. What is also a fact is that he was essentially acquitted of all the other charges, whatever the hell they were. So here it is. Here's the story. My wife, being the loving person that she is, is taking care of a friend of ours who had laparoscopic surgery on her knee for something. The doctor gave her a nerve blocker, and so for 24 hours, she cannot feel her foot, and she needs somebody to stay with her. So my wife, being the good person that she is and the very good friend that she is, has spent the night over at our friend's house taking care of her. So I woke up, I took the kids to school, come home, start brewing coffee. She calls me and says, could you bring us some coffee because she doesn't have a coffee pot here. Who the hell doesn't have a coffee pot? Oh, well, whatever. So I walk up with a thermos of coffee. She meets me at the door, phone in hand, and she said, I just read that Craig Wright won his lawsuit. I'm like, I looked at her like, what the fuck is this? I was actually kind of mad. I'm like, dude, it's like not even eight o'clock in the damn morning and you're hitting me with Craig Wright shit. I was like, no, honey, he got fined a hundred million dollars. He has to pay W and K associates or whatever the hell that strategic company is. He has to pay them a hundred million dollars, which I'm pretty sure he doesn't have. And she goes, I'm not reading anything about that. It just says here, all this stuff says that he's won. That's, what kind of clown world we are living in, ladies and gentlemen, where you can go to court and you can lie and deceive and continuously forge multiple documents in the presence of a federal judge and not get in trouble for it and do get fined a hundred million dollars that you've got it. Yeah, that's he's got to fork that over somehow. And yet he won his court case, according to all the the major media outlets. When are we ever going to return to some semblance of normalcy that you can expect as a living, breathing, functional human being? I don't know when clown world ends. One thing I'm pretty sure of, we have not seen peak clown world yet. That's going to do it for the Morning Roundup. All right, Dad says, jokes. It's been months since I ordered the book, How to Scam People Online. It still hasn't arrived yet. Joke about scamming to end off the day since I ended up having to talk about Craig, stupid ass right. Uh, man, I'm still kind of reeling from that confrontation with my wife. I'm like, it's not even eight. Why are you reading about Craig Wright? I, my God, the cryptocurrency isn't exactly your, your full bag. You kind of dipped your toe into it a little bit, but man, don't. I was like, I I was afraid she was reading a Coin Geek article and I I just didn't have the presence of mind to ask about it. Anyway, look, uh, if you want to help me out with the show and uh, keep the lights on around here, you could always do that by giving me a five-star review on Apple iTunes. You can use Podcasting 2.0 to listen to this podcast and uh, stream me Satoshis. Yeah, I know. It just dawned on me. I should have done this at the beginning of the show. Whatever. It, it is what it is. I'm, I'm a terrible. I'm, I am completely inept at marketing myself. I it's, I don't know how people like, uh, Peter McCormick do it. 
I, I wish somebody would tell me how to do it because I'd like to get better at it. I just don't want to give shit away for free as a contest because it just kind of makes me ill. Anyway, uh, you can stream me Satoshis with Podcasting 2.0. You can tip me over Lightning because uh, I do have Lightning tips enabled on Twitter. Uh, you, there's all kinds of shit you can do. Hell, I even got a Patreon. It's Bitcoin and Podcast on Patreon if you want to deal in dirty, filthy fiat. Anything helps. It really does. And everything that you do for me is much appreciated. I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.